The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Welcome back to the second hour of the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, along with me, my co-host, Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing for all of your towing needs. Jim, are you you with me now? <laughs> I'm still here, Jerry, ready to go for hour number two. Remember, it's Super Safe Saturday, folks. If you didn't catch it at the first top of the hour, that means move over, slow down, no texting and driving, no drinking and driving. Um, Watch your watch for the pedestrians and and uh, bicyclists. Also, forgot to mention this at the top of the first hour. If you're working on your car, do it safely. That means jack stands and put props and disconnect your batteries, safety glasses when you're working on your car. Because you know you never know when that little something will come flying up and hit you in the face, sticky in the eye, and then you'll be done for the day. And you never want. You don't want to have to hear something about how you should have fixed something, but and you could have prevented it with a pair of safety glasses, a pair of three dollars safety glasses. Right. You could have prevented this this debacle. So, you know, you never want to hear. Right. Oh, I should have taken it over to Simmons and let him fix it. You know. <laughs> well, maybe you do want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Merrill's Automotive. Speaking of do-it-yourselfers, Merrill's Auto has a machine shop service available to you at 15 West Ajo. They're open on Saturdays, and they do rotors, flywheels, and drums. And its phone number is 520-807-4010. That's for Merrill's Auto Machine Shop. And if you're working on a car, you're doing brakes on them, you, of course you're going to do everything that Jim's recommending as far as jack stands and all of that. But if you need the rotors turned or a flywheel turn when you're doing a clutch, um, then Merrill's Auto at 15 West Ajo can probably help you. The phone number is 520-807-4010. All right. Now, we've we've covered – we've beat up the safety pretty pretty good the first hour. Uh, And we can can move along. Oh, there's a swap meet at – Tucson Speedway, a sw- automotive swap meet at Tucson Speedway today. It starts at 6 o'clock this morning. They're already loading everything in there and setting everything up. Some of them come in last night. And it's going to run from 6 a.m. in the morning till 2 p.m. 
Now, I don't know if you're a car guru, a car nut, or anything like that, but if you're looking for a lot of antique car parts, uh, just about anything and everything, uh, the swap meet is going on, and it's there's no admission. There's no parking fees or anything like that. You just go out and enjoy it. I went to the one last year and had a ball, just had a ball. Uh, they do have a little food truck out there that they, in case you forgot to eat breakfast, you can get a, a munchie, and that will help you keep covered there. Um, back to the tires, and I'm going to hit it real quick, and then we're going to move on. Uh, your tire pressure monitor and cold weather. Mine come on in my truck, and it was really cold the other morning. It's 37 degrees at the house, and so my tire pressure monitor come on. And so I filled it up. I thought I filled it up, but evidently I did all of them but one tire on the left rear, and the monitor's still on. And I'm thinking, and it's got 71 pounds of air in the left rear, according to the onboard computer, and it says air up the rear tires to 80 pounds. People, I have 10 ply tires on the back end of an empty truck. I can put 80 pounds in it. I can count the gravel in the asphalt when I ride down the road. And so I've just said, you know, I think it rides pretty good right now. Nothing to write home about, but it feels pretty good. So I think I'm just going to put up with the tire pressure monitor uh, light on. But uh, I don't recommend everybody do that. You need to know why it's on if it comes on. Sometimes they don't lie. You have a slow leak in that one particular tire. And I don't know why, because the right side has 72 pounds in it, and it's not indicating a problem with that one. So... I guess it's time to take it over to a tire shop and have it checked out to make sure that I'm not assuming that I have tires that are ready to go. That's that's my little tip for tire pressure monitor. It is cold. Your tire pressure is going to go up down like a yo-yo. Um, but when I run them, the tire pressure goes up to 78 pounds. And I thought, well, what's a monitor doing on now? I guess it don't care. But... Um, so I guess it's based on cold temperature, whatever. But in the um, keeping that keep your vehicle clean during the winter months. Okay, uh, this is mainly for nationwide because we're streamed all the way around the world. But where you got uh, like in the mid upper Midwest, where you got snow, you got salt. Uh, when you run out, you play in the snow, first chance you get, take that vehicle in after the, you know, whatever. But to keep the vehicle clean and keep that salt and stuff off these vehicles. They're built a lot better. They have a lot better protection as far as salt damage, but it can still be there. So you just need to keep your vehicles clean. And according to NASCAR, your vehicle actually gets better fuel economy when it's clean. So, you know, make a visit to your car wash or do it yourself and get it clean. Uh, I know that uh, Spectrum tells me to polish my car every six months and to try to wash it at least once a week. And uh, that's how we get our rain in Tucson. I wash my truck, it rains. I wash my truck. And it'll come up with just enough wind to put dust on the vehicle, and then it'll rain just enough, not even enough to run. Not The water won't even run off the windshield. It just spots it so that you have to go in and clean your windshield and do all that crap again. But anyway, keep your vehicle clean. Uh, and we covered a lot of reasons why you keep the interior clean. 
and keep all the debris out of it. It's it's a safety issue, and it it's it's real. It's a real deal. Um, road safety. We covered it uh, first first hour. Road safety, especially for bikes and walkers. On people walking dogs early in the morning. Uh, I even have a reflector that goes on my horse's tail, my mule's tail, when we're out so that people can actually, if we're going to be working in a neighborhood or something like that, we have these reflectors on the mule's tail or horse's tail. And we wear safety vests on our bodies, reflector safety vests. They make these for dogs. You can get them and put them on your little dog. So in the morning when you're walking, people can see, okay, I've got a human. I've got a dog, or I've got a dog that's walking that I can see, and I can't see the human, but I'm assuming that they're going to have a human hooked to the other end of the dog, and that way it'll it'll give you a little better idea of what you're facing driving. So that's my tip for that. Um, okay, don't forget to swap meet. Uh, job, employees. Uh, Simmons Automotive, Simmons Ford before, we have a job opening for a machine shop driveshaft trainee or experienced driveshaft person at the shop. It's available now. You want to get a hold of Wade Simmons at the shop at 520-884-0217. Call Wade over there. Go in, put in an application and he will review it, and or he will talk to you while you're there. I don't know what the situation would be, depending on how busy he is. If he is, he'll probably take you back in a machine shop and let you see what goes on back there so that it'll be something that you may be interested in. But uh, in the drive shaft division, we make all sorts of drive shafts. We make them for the drag strip. We make them for the NASCAR boys. Uh, we make them for mining equipment. We make them for uh, off-road like tractors, uh, PTO U-joints, drive shafts, uh, anything it has to do with a drive shaft. Uh, from modifications, we can make an aluminum shaft where you've got a metal shaft in there. We can make a metal shaft where you have an aluminum shaft if you don't like aluminum. We, we've got the big balance equipment. We can balance a three-piece drive shaft. So it's not just walk in, cut an end off, put it back together and weld it and slap it, you know, put it on the counter and say, okay, it's good to go. No, it's it's in-depth. It's balanced. It's done professionally. And we've been doing it for 47 years. So, and we have the equipment. We have the big equipment. We can cut a nine-and-a-half-inch tube. That's what the mine equipment uses. We do 18-wheeler shafts. So if you're interested in something like this, if you let's say you took machine shop in high school and you're just getting out of high school, that doesn't mean we don't want to talk to you. That means, you know, drive shaft specialist is a specialty. And there is a bunch of training, OJT, on-the-job training that goes with making a drive shaft and going through all these computerized equipment that we have and the different lathes. Safety is primary. 
safety is real critical when you're working in a machine shop. And so for any of you high schoolers out there or was in high school and you took machine shop, you're familiar with the safety issues of a machine shop and you can weld, whether it be aluminum or metal, but we can teach you to weld. That's how long we've been doing it. And that's how good the weight is. Uh, so we do need a drive shaft person back there. And we also are looking for a technician. We've got a gentleman that's been trying to retire since June. And he said, I, I'll take you through the first of the year, but we need somebody to put out in the garage and let him work with them. He's a master technician. He's going to teach somebody a lot of information in a short period of time. But we do have other masters out there that can also pick up in case somebody gets in trouble. We work on all vehicles. We work on four before primarily. I've been doing that since I opened the doors. We work on mom's Cadillac, Junior's hot rod, and dad's four before. That's that's the plus of the business. We work on most foreign cars. Uh, the ones we can get the information from. And if we don't work on your car, we know somebody that does, and we'll be happy to refer you. We're open Monday through Friday. We don't open on Saturday and Sunday because I want you to have a, a time with your family and be able to go fishing or whatever you want to do on the weekends. And we've been in business 48 years. So we're not going anywhere. And I just... So if you want to, if you're interested in a technician's job, you can go by, put in an application at 3743 South Country Club, Northeast Corner, Ajo and Country Club, and we'll be happy to talk to you. All right. Now, Jim. Yes, sir. What? Wh- which direction do you want to go to now? I've got a bunch oh, of I stuff, don't... but. Do... What do you got? What do you got? The, throw, throw out your list there. Let's see what you got. Well, I got uh, what happens to vehicles at uh, uh, twelve thousand mile check intervals. What do you check on a vehicle at twelve thousand miles? And the twelve thousand miles. Hang on, I'm looking here. It is um, twelve thousand miles. Uh, you're supposed to check every twelve months or twelve thousand miles. And people hear this all the time. But unless you pull your owner's manual and spend about a half a day in it trying to find all this information, it's going to be kind of complicated. So when you do a vehicle and you want to stay on top of your vehicle, there's a 6,000, a 9,000, and a 12,000. Well, when going back through this thing, it seems like the 12,000 is a combination of the 6 and 9,000. So I'm going to bring up some of the stuff that you need to really check on your 12,000. 12 months or 12,000-mile check. Your automatic transmission fluid. Last week, we was talking about automatic transmissions. And what causes an automatic transmission to actually fail? And one is dirty fluid. It doesn't process dirty fluid, so you need to keep your transmission fluid clean. Because it uses up the additives in the fluid. And that's what creates the debris and stuff that's left behind inside of a transmission. The other one is when you, this is a driving habit that I see people do all the time. And you back out like you're about a 16-year-old with a standard, 
and you back out in reverse, and then you pull it down in low gear while it's still rolling backwards, and you drop the clutch so you can burn the tires. Well, it's called a neutral drop. In other words, you're in neutral. You go in, supposed to go into neutral, and when you put it in gear, the car needs to be quit rolling backwards or forwards when you're when you're actually playing with the gear shifts because you change directions in the transmission, and if you let it out too quick or you do a neutral drop, it puts incredible shock to the transmission. That's the other thing that will take out a transmission. So when you're doing the transmission, be conscious of your driving habits. You back it out of your driveway and you're in reverse, and then say, okay, well, I need to go forward now. You're not through rolling backwards, so you pull it down and drive, and then you think that's going to be okay. No, over a period of time, it's going to wear out your transmission if you don't break it there on the spot, depending on what the, what RPM, what your right foot is doing if you're accelerating out in a hurry. So watch that. Batteries and cables. Batteries historically last 24 to 30 months in Tucson, Arizona. If you change a battery, you have a dead battery, you say, okay, well, look at the date on the battery and see if it's in that uh, time change. If it's not, like I had one, it went out in 12 months on my Honda. And when I sent it in the shop, I said, I want you to find out why this battery went out. Well, they hook all the machines to it, and they go through it and said, everything you've got on this car is working like it's supposed to. You've got a dead cell in the battery. And it was a brand-new battery, one just like I replaced it with that it had driven for almost 40 months. So, but it had a bad battery, a new battery that went bad. And so we changed that after we checked everything else to make sure that it's like it's supposed to be and it's running fine. It's just running fine. But you got to make sure that is it the battery or is it the charging system that wasn't keeping up with the battery when it was in there and over a period of time because of short runs, you're not running it long enough to keep it charged up. This battery finally decided to give up the ghost because it had a weak cell in the battery. Look for the cables. Look for the buildup on the cables. It'll, it'll appear as being green. It'll appear as being white. Look for the buildup on the cables. When that stuff is building up on the cables, there is an issue. You need to find out why it's building up. It needs, the battery needs to be professionally tested to find out what the deal is. You cannot check a charging system and a battery with a dead battery in it. It has to be charged up first, then you put your equipment on it to find out what you got because it's automatically going to read a dead battery as soon as you hook it up and it won't even run the test. So it has to be charged up and you have a certain prep done before you can check a battery. But just remember, 24 to 30 months, you buy a brand-new battery and you don't know how to read when you bought the battery and you don't want to do it, get you a white ink pen, a pencil. It's a it's a pen. It looks like a um, – well, it looks it's, – it's, it's paint on the bottom of it. It looks like a regular uh, uh, big – you know, the big pens that you write on the boards with. But get a paint – Put the date on it. Just put the date on it. You'll know what it is when you look in there. If you look in there and it says, okay, this thing was bought in uh, 2018. Okay, this is 2022. So you can you can say, okay, maybe it's time. 
but have it checked before you go out and replace these batteries. They're very expensive. The cables, I've seen people take Coca-Cola. They pour it on top of that. It does make a, a pretty... It, it's real pretty, but you got you can't use the uh, you need to use the one with the sugar in it and all the good stuff so that it'll clean it. And what it'll do is it'll clean the outside of the terminals. It'll clean the outside of the connector to the terminal, but it will not penetrate down on the inside of the terminal. So that thing has to be cleaned properly and put back together. Keep in mind they also have relearns on these computer systems. Once you disconnect a battery. Everything starts to mess up while you're changing the battery. So when you put it back in, make sure that you have a, a knowledge of what's going to happen to the car. Is it going to run rough when you first put it back together? Yeah, probably while it's doing a relearn process. And so be careful when you're doing it. If you are not familiar with changing a battery on a late model vehicle, uh, I suggest you take it into a shop or your favorite garage, whether it be Parker or Simmons or Automotive Specialist or whoever you've been using for years, and have these guys do it. Because if it needs to have the relearn process done to it, they'll know what they're doing. So be careful with that. Uh, belts. The belts historically last about four years unless you've got a problem with the front of the motor, or unless you're running on a dirt and you have gravel flying up and stuff that can possibly dislodge a V-belt or a serpentine belt under the hood. So pay attention to your belts. You don't like cracks in the belt. I don't like cracks in the belt. Uh, on the V-belt, you'll have a, a glaze on the side of the belt, which indicates that it may not be making 100% contact. It could be a loose belt. That's calling it to slip instead of charge like it's supposed to. And if that's on the alternator, it will affect the charging ability of the alternator to the battery. So these are the things that need to be checked when you're actually doing or trying to track electrical problem with a, uh, anything on the car. Cabin air uh, brakes. Do a brake inspection. When you do your uh, oil change, uh, oil service, have those guys to be sure and check your brakes. There's slides on the calipers that pick up the road debris that have a tendency to freeze and only move a little bit when they should be moving a lot. They need to move freely so they can go in and out when you depress the brake pedal. They need to move in. They need to move out when you release the brake pedal. If they don't, then it's going to cause a irregular wear, probably on the inside uh, pad or the outside pad. It depends on which way it's moving. But have the brake slide service at the same time you have the oil service done. And what those guys will do, they'll pull that little pen out, they'll lube it down, clean it off, put it back, or pull it off, clean it, lube it, and put it back. And then you know it's just moving free and your caliper's not sticking on you. Cabin air filters. I sent mine in and they did a bunch of stuff on it. My little Honda and they looked at the date on the cabin air filter in the computer. Then they pulled the cabin air filter out and did a uh, visual inspection and said, nope, it needs to be changed. So they changed the cabin air filter on it. These are 12-month stuff, all right? It also covered in the 9 and 6, but 12 months. If you do the 12 months, you'll have a 9 and 6. Uh, dashboard indicator lights are on. If you have a dashboard indicator light on, Find out what it is and get it fixed. Get it, answer it. Coolant, antifreeze, 
Antifreeze, once a vehicle is compromised, which means you've changed a hose or you've uh, uh, took the radiator cap off the system that was closed and now it's no longer closed, it's a it becomes a contaminated system. So now you go to a two-year, 24,000-mile coolant change, uh, antifreeze change. We have strips and stuff that we can put inside your your system to see how well it's holding up. If it's holding up and it shows nothing wrong with it in the 12 months, okay, fine. Drive it for another 12 months. We'll check it. But we'll have a strips to tell us what the condition is of your antifreeze at that point. You can buy them at Merle's, by the way. Um, engine air filters. Air filter is based on on what the elements are, okay? Now, we have wind here in Arizona. I know that's hard for y'all to believe, but we have a lot of wind and a lot of dirt that moves around. So if you're running constantly in out on the freeways with the heavy winds and the dirt, you're going to need to change that air filter more than once a year. And they say, oh, well, you only have to change your air filter once a year. That's not true. That's not true. You know, anybody that drives in Arizona has ever drive, drove, driven through one of these haboobs know that. Engine air filter is real critical to the vehicle itself. An air filter will only hold so many grams of air and dirt. I mean, as far as dirt, dirty air, I should say. And then it will allow it to bypass. You do not want it to bypass. There's enough uh, suction inside that system where it will pull the dirt around it and through it a filter and so that's the reason you keep those engine air filters changed if it's if it's a heavy dust storm go ahead and pull it out slap a slap it on a bumper or something like that and see how bad it is then get your new one and replace it um, but change the air filters keep them clean because if they plug up one it messes up the air fuel mixture ratio and when it does that, when it starts starving for air, it'll just start pouring gas. And so your fuel economy is going to go down. Your engine response is going to go down because you got a plugged air filter. That's how critical this is. And that's something you can do yourself. Engine oil. Engine oil, you go by your owner's manual under severe duty. And, and the reason I say that, if you live in Tucson, Arizona, and you drive that vehicle, and you're, you're driving 12,000 miles a year or 18,000, I think Tucson averages around 15. But make sure that your engine oil is changed. If you've got an oil burner or an oil user that goes, a, uh, you know, uses a quart every 1,000 miles, well, naturally, you're going to have to check the engine oil more regular than a guy that is running it and he has no engine oil usage. So you need to pay attention to the engine oil and keep it clean and keep the same viscosity that you had that's recommended in your owner's manual. And the thing with engine oil, you can use synthetic if it calls for synthetic. I think we just lost Jerry. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I'll, I'll jump back in where he was at. Um, so I'm going to back up a little bit, folks. Uh, he's talking about the, when he started talking about brake calipers. If you're working on your brakes and you're working on your calipers, um, 
it's really critical to clean the slides and clean the caliper. Um, there's, there, there he's back. Um, with the brake, with the brake caliper, what happens is, is that that slide sticks, and then you, the, the caliper won't move freely. Really critical to make sure that those are clean. And, and I know it, we don't have the rust they do, like in Missouri or, or North Carolina or, or Massachusetts, but the. Uh, um, pretty much what they get is they get uh, um, stuck. And even after, you know, 50,000 miles, those things stick pretty friggin' hard. There's not a lot you can uh, do except clean them off. If it inspect them, if it needs hardware replacement, replace the hardware. I've even towed vehicles for uh, brake calipers that have had the wrong grease on them. I, I, I didn't think it was possible it was a warranty situation from the manufacturer. They they were attributing sticking brake calipers to improper grease. So the grease was wrong on the brake caliper slide. Not sure how that worked out, but that's how critical it is. If the manufacturer thinks that, that greasing is the proper grease, not just grease in general, but the proper grease is 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 required to make the brakes work properly, then it's pro it's Rust on the on the slides is again just as critical. Jerry's uh, going on about air filters, so yeah, change your air filter. So think of it this way, folks: when if you think we don't have dirt in Arizona, uh, when you have allergies, your car has allergies. Okay, when you get allergies and you're sneezing, your car gets that dirt too. So um, every time, and I don't know anybody in Arizona that doesn't get allergies. I get them. Everybody gets them. So. When uh, when you're out there working and you think that it's, there's no dirt flying around, yeah, well, think again, because and all that dirt goes right to your car. In fact, it goes even even worse because your car sucks it in at a at uh, probably 600 cubic feet per minute. And if it's got a turbo, it sucks it in like a jet engine. So even more so critical for the air filter. Uh, and if you're going to run an aftermarket like a can in. Um, Stay up on top of your maintenance on it. You know, a Canon filter is really, really good, but it requires work. You know, it requires cleaning, cleaning, a proper cleaning. Don't just blow it out. You can't just blow out a Canon filter. It, you'll tear it all apart. You'll, you'll damage the, the, uh, you'll damage the, the cotton mesh that's in there. Yeah, the gauze. Yeah, and so you got to clean it properly. I mean, that that's and that's a two-hour job. It's clean it, let it dry, oil it down. And if your um, and if and if your air filter is dirty, then your oil is going to be dirty, and your injectors are going to get dirty. Your intakes are going to get dirty. So when your when your oil gets dirty, because it's gonna it's gonna immediately attract all the dirt that comes in the intake, and it's gonna get sucked into the motor into the oil. And that's what the oil does is capture that nice dirt. Now you're gonna if you if you have a dirty air filter, even if it's not dirty outside. Let's say, for example, there's no dust in the air today. There's still the dirt is still going to flow through your dirty air filter. It's just the way it works. Dirt, you know, a dirty air filter is going to release dirt into your engine, which means your even fresh clean oil with a dirty air filter in your engine is going to get dirty again, just because you have a dirty component in your system. And cabin air filters, same thing. If it's dirty outside, if you're out have allergies outside, they don't have HEPA cabin filters because there's still dirt in the air. Again, that's your car with allergies. Um, try and keep those things clean. And 
if you with again with the filter, if you don't change it, now you now you're going to start getting dust dirt in your in your intake, and that's going to help contribute to the soft carbons. Now now you're looking at injector flush. So it's this one simple thing can have all those ripple effects. That that is really really good to take care of. Now I'm not saying that your oil is not going to get dirty. And you're you're not going to get soft carbons in your injectors in your in your in, in your combustion chambers or or dirty intake, but you know you might as well. I and I know the filter used to be six, and now it's twenty five, because well cars are different and prices are more expensive, but I mean twenty five bucks is a far cry from uh, what Jerry seven thousand on a motor, six thousand on a motor. I don't even know what they are today. And I, if you could get one. Any so. anywhere from anywhere from six to about twenty five, depending on whether it's diesel or gasoline. Six yeah. Oh yeah, if it's a big truck, yeah. If it's diesel, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's twenty five grand for a, a six point seven Dodge Cummins motor, yeah, you're gonna be fifteen thousand for the for the long block plus dressing it, you know, and the accessories. Yeah, you're you're gonna be in there. So yeah, I get it. Expensive. It's expensive, but it's not that expensive. Air filters are expensive. Maintenance is expensive, but it's not that expensive. And like Jerry always says, he said it a million times, and I've heard him say it because I say it with him. Breakdown maintenance is far more expensive than than preventative maintenance. Absolutely. Anyway, forty to fifty percent. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that was me. That was me. I, I actually disconnected myself. I, oh. I know not to move when I'm doing the show, but uh, I had to get my coffee cup. So I reached over oh, and grabbed okay. a coffee cup and disconnected at the same time. Sorry, but we're back, and you do a good job while I'm gone anyway. Um, look look at know, that. I've got to get can't even, you, you, Go ahead. Get your sponsors what? in there. We need to get those done. Yeah. LensAutoBrokerage.com, LensAutoBrokerage.com. Go to the website, easy to navigate. Uh, that's used cars, trucks. Uh, they've got a little bit of everything over there. I looked at their little uh, website last week or this past week. DesertRV.com, DesertRV.com. That's uh, owned by the same company. And they specialize in toy haulers so, so, and anything else that bumper Bumper pulls, fifth wheels, whatever. And that's DesertRV.com. And, and Brian told me, said, you just put the websites out and we're good because that's that's where they go to. If you want to go kick a tire at Lynn's Auto Brokers, go to 2101 North Stone Avenue. They are open today. Automotive specialist, Brian Fuller over there is busier than a son of a gun. Uh, he's also looking for, a, <coughs> excuse me, a technician. Their business phone is 520-572-1734. Bride's personal cell phone is 520-237-3852. You can call either one of these numbers and come up with these guys. Actually shop on the west side of Tucson, and they just, uh, you know, well, they're just excellent shop. 3611 West Ina Road, Suite 101, there at Meredith and the Ina uh, intersection in the Bookman's Plaza. And that's Mr. Test First, Don't Guess. And, boy, if you want to wind him up, just say, oh, I just I just changed it, but I didn't take a look at it to see why it failed. He'll say, Test First, Don't Guess. 
because you'll save a lot of money in repair and aggravation if you'll do that. Parker Automotive is another good shop. They're in Midtown, Tucson, at 5101 East Speedway. Uh, their number there is 520-323-1960. 323-1960. Or you can go to parkerautoaz.com, and you can it's got a nice website. It's easy. They are also like automotive specialists in Simmons, and they have all the the updated equipment. They have all the computers. They have certified technicians. They do an excellent job. They're local. They're they're not a chain. They're home. They're homegrown, as I say. They're located at 5101 East Speedway. Beautiful building over there. You got Scott. You got Mike's the owner. And they, you can get anything done over there. They do. They even have access to. Uh, they sell tires, so they can set you up with a set of tires if you want them. They're not high pressure. They do the checkouts. They do everything. The thing, the mo, the one thing that I like about them is they're honest. They always have been. I can't find it where they're not. And they, they you know, they were another one. It took them three and a half years to get on this show. But um, and that wasn't that was because the people that are on the show, you know, you either have to die or or get out of business or you're not on the show anymore. Um, can't say enough about them. Uh, my sponsors, uh, you know, Lens Automotive Specialists, especially Frontier Towing Spectrum. These guys are are with me. They've been with me. They what make this show possible to bring it to the public. And the, sh- the purpose of this show is to educate you, not to beat you up, but to educate you and try to get your attention. Uh, if 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 you picked up one thing off of this show today, one thing, and you said, "Huh, I knew this. I just haven't been doing it." Hey, it was a successful show. So we keep it moving. We keep it down to your level. We keep it down to the level that I know the consumer uses because if you drive your 2022 car in your garage and open the hood, you're probably going to say, well, now that I know where the hood latch is, I'm going to close it, and I'm not going to quit my day job to try to work on this thing. I mean, they get, they're get they so complicated anymore, people, that you need to read the owner's manual to find out how to change the oil in these cars. Everything has a has a, a direction to it. So that's that's it. The the sponsors, I can't thank them enough for keeping this show on the air. You've got Merle's. Merle's is sitting there with a, a huge shop over on the uh, South South Dodge Boulevard. And they also have just about everything. You can go to MerlesAuto.com. They have 10 stores located locally, plus in Sierra Vista. Uh, they have them in Marinci, Globe, Casa Grande, Green Valley. And they also make daily runs to the big wirehouse where they have foreign, far, foreign domestic, and 18-wheeler parts. They're the real deal. The counter people are very intelligent. They'll help you find a part. They're friendly. They're knowledgeable. And they work their butts off during the day. I mean, they they just work for you. That's the reason I still use them, and Brian uses them, Parker uses them. 
they're just a good place to deal. But you can go to MerlsAuto.com, and you can find out where they're at around the state. You can find any place that they're located and get an address. Everything is there. So that that I just, you know, very pleased to have these guys back in the show as long as they have and continue. Especially that little guy that's sitting on the other end of this microphone. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. All right. I've got these. Oh, you're welcome, Jim. You know, I, you know, Jim, they don't, I don't think the public knows that you actually worked in turning wrenches for what, 20 years? A long time. How long were you, (laughs) how long you were a technician? So when, when Jim hosts this show, you're not, you're not working with a person who's not familiar with the industry. Been there, done that, has the t-shirt. Then he expanded out to towing. And one thing that fascinates me is he is in the front line. He still works the big tow rigs and goes out on these monster jobs and hauls stuff all over the country. So he has seen what's going on on the freeways. He has seen the breakage and the carnage that goes along with wrecks and what he knows what causes them. So we're not just talking just to hear ourselves talk because I hear myself talk long enough. Uh, it there, and I invite you to go to Google and check anything that I say, just, you know, I've had it done with a guest host that was on the radio. She spent the whole time on Google for two hours trying to see if she could find something she could punch holes in. I said, I'm not going to say anything to send somebody in the wrong direction. Jesus Christ. Every time I think I have all the answers, somebody changes all the questions. I'm not stupid. <laughs> but I do love talking to you. And um, But that's that's the purpose of this show is to try to keep you up with as current information as we can get. Now, we've been hitting electric vehicles. Electric vehicles has a pretty good ways to go before we're going to see. I don't see how they're going to meet to 2035. Everybody's going to drive electric. It ain't going to happen. I don't think there's that much time between 22 and 35 to get all this stuff done. Uh, They're still working on battery technology, which is a big one. Do you know that only 18-wheeler electric trucks, they are not certified the mileage now they are only on the gm and the ford and the dodge and stuff like that but they're not only 18 wheelers because they can't really get a certification on them because they don't know what it's going to do because every 18 wheeler out there hauls a different weight load and so if you're hauling eighty thousand pounds and you're you're running the freeways they don't know how long it's going to last, especially if you're towing up and if you're running up in the coal country right now, because that zaps a battery real quick from my understanding of it. And so you have to pretty much take the manufacturer's word. Okay. This will run 600 miles. Okay. I believe that. Uh huh. You've got an 18 wheeler. You got a battery pack on there. It weighs more than a car. And it's going to run 600 miles. Theoretically, it should work. If you're running an empty trailer and you're not running in the snow and the 17-degree weather and stuff like that, that makes sense to me. But 
I don't see how they're ever going to be able to say, okay, now if you carry 20,000 pounds, this is how many miles you're going to get on it. If it's carrying 40,000 pounds, this is how many miles you're going to get. If this, if this is hauling 80,000 miles, you're probably going to spend as much time at a charging station as you are on the road. I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm just like a rest of you out there. I like to sit and say, hey, if it's that good, fine. But also, I still am hung up on if electric is a way to go, why does the federal government have to put tax dollars that is our money into helping people buy these vehicles? If it's so great, why isn't it on the stock market and people investing in this this new product that we've got out there and moving it right along? I, I don't understand that. So I'm going to... Until that's cleared up in my head, I'll probably be just a grumbling little guy. And I still think they're great. You know, the electric cars that come in, it can run 150 miles. Tucson, Arizona would be perfect for it. Put them in Tucson. If you run them in Tucson, they go 150 miles. Okay, I figure that's good for about 100. So, but 100 miles of driving around Tucson in a day while you're off at the charging, off of the charging station then you should be good to go. That should be one heck of an investment for you. But as far as going from here to New York, I still don't think that the infrastructure is there with enough plug-ins for everybody that has these things. If you're stuck in some of the ones that I've seen with video, uh, where there's 28 cars in line and there's four charging stations, somebody's going to be waiting quite a while. So... Just when you buy these things, buy them with an open mind and look for the worst that can possibly happen and hope for the best, and you should be in good shape. You know, I don't have anything against them. I just wish they'd build a solar car for Tucson, Arizona, so I could get one. So that's all I got to say about that deal. Yeah. You got but the, these you big trucks. point about, about the trucks. You brought, that's a great point about mm-hmm. the trucks, you know. People don't understand because, well, I'm in the trucking business. I, I, haul, I run trucks. I haul trucks. Um, a, a, a load, a Frito-Delay truck loaded with potato chips, you can stack as many in there as you want, and it doesn't weigh very much because potato chips don't weigh a whole lot. So the whole van can be completely full, and it don't weigh very much, Not maybe about 12,000 pounds in the same amount of that 80,000 pounds can be exist, exist, right? So right. that truck will probably go farther. So, um, And then trucks, when you see a truck driving down the road, now when we think of trucks, big trucks, we think of trucks with a, with a big box trailer behind them. Those trailers aren't always full. In theory, a guy running a truck wants to have it completely full. That way he gets paid more. But mm-hmm. um, Amazon Prime... The two-day fulfillment uh, requirement that everybody is happy with or doesn't work quite so well anymore because of, of shortages um, doesn't mm-hmm. allow for trucks to be completely full all the time. So you'll we'll see trucks that we tow because when we tow, we we ask you know is it loaded or empty? For example, you know you could a truck could break down and be empty, and then you know there's a certain requirement we have, and if it's loaded, well, then there's other procedures that we have to take. And we'll get often we get the the uh, the response. Oh, it's it's partially loaded. 
it's only got it's only got fifteen thousand pounds in it. So in a normal truck, a normal truck and trailer, empty, a, a regular a semi truck, eighteen wheeler, with a box truck, weighs about uh, I want to say it's about thirty three thousand, empty. Okay, so that means that wow. you can put about fifty thousand on with it. 46,000 in it. You can put 46,000 pounds in it, right? Give or take, of cargo. So if you only put Mm -hmm. 12,000 pounds in it, it ain't ain't completely loaded. And the reason why we are curious about that is for braking, because, you know, we're going to pick up this thing and we're going to tow, you know, we're going to tow 80,000 pounds with a tow truck, so we're now going to be running at 120,000 pounds on the road, because our tow truck weighs 40, and every big tow truck weighs at least 40. Um, and we're gonna and we're gonna have to stop this thing going down the road, which means we have to be able to hook up all the brakes all the way down the line. So, uh, and we need to under, be able to understand that for braking distance and stopping. We need to understand lead times because you don't stop 120,000 pounds in three feet. It doesn't work. I don't care how many brakes you got on the thing; it isn't going <laughs> to stop that fast. <laughs> so, it's critical for us for driving because when we're driving, we need to understand. You know that you know there's there's a reason why there's a there's a there's a three tractor trailer link gap between us. There's, you know, 150 feet between us and the next car. There's a reason why there is. The reason why is because if there's not much, if we don't leave that much room, we can't stop. So when somebody gets in front of us we, and pulls over and stops in front of us, we have to back off and go again. It's, and it just takes time. And we have to have that much distance. Just like you have to leave, you know, they say two seconds, but now it's probably more, it should be more like four or five. You know, so that you can stop. And the same thing still applies. We just have a bigger a bigger unit to work with. So the whole point of this is when you get back to electrics, electric vehicles, making that determination of how far you'll go is going to be very challenging. Because you can't – the the time frame of, of charging and, and load, load relaying basically, because a truck can only go so far, and then he has to stop, and then somebody's got to pick up that load like a relay, just like a relay race. I hand the baton off to the next guy who runs it, and he hands it off to the next guy. And electric trucks are going to operate in a relay system. They're going to go so far, and they're going to stop, and then another truck's going to pick up that load and go again. Whereas today, we fill up the truck with, you know, $1,500 worth of fuel and drive across the country. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to happen anymore Mm -hmm. because they're just even – there isn't enough batteries in in the perfect world to make them go that far. They just just can't do it. There's – Unless you filled the trailer full of batteries, but okay, then what's the point? So the yeah. and and people use the relay system currently. I mean, it's it's a train concept. Trains are hybrids. Trains are diesel motors running an electric alternator. It's a hybrid, and it runs on a dedicated right. track. And they go and pick up stuff, and they drop it off, and they they do the relay system. They drop off their cars, another train picks them up and runs them around to the circuit, and then they you know disperse them out. The same thing happens in trucks. You just have to. They have and people do it. We go. They go to hubs and they drop and they transfer loads, but the hubs will just have to be closer now for electric. But there's no good way to determine how much energy you're going to need. And just like Jerry said, environmental factors, cold weather, has a huge effect on battery performance. Hot weather has an effect on battery performance. Um, just uh, improper charging, you know, poor charging. You know, I can't even imagine how corrosion is going to become a play. I mean, Brian Fuller will tell you every single day 
that connections between computerized cars are so critical that I, I forget what he said. It's like one milliamp drop or, or a half an ohm drop or something will cause the computer to go haywire. Well, imagine you know, all this electric. It's gonna if it if it starts corroding, and you know, and I'm not talking about corrosion like like terminals. I'm talking about you know uh, oxidation corrosion between connections. Now now you don't have a good right. a good uh, a good connection to, to transfer the power. Oh, you don't have a good ground to to make it work. All of those things are are going to be so so critical. There's, do you think there's grounds on a car now where there's like twenty or thirty mm-hmm. of them? There's going to be five thousand of them. Every every point's going to be grounded in order to make it work. Or dedicated grounding wires, which is they do anyways today. You know they forget about going to the frame right. anymore. They, everything's got a dedicated ground wire on it, depending on if it's the if it's the 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 airbag system or the tire pressure monitoring system or the 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 radio system they all everything has got a separate ground all going back to the back to the battery um and that the electric we just don't know yet nobody has a good enough handle on it to figure out because there's not enough test data nobody's ran it long enough to to know to say this is exactly what we have and in today's world it's about buying data Every time you get on Facebook, every time you do a, a Google search, your data gets sold. And so the the world is data-driven, and they just don't know yet. They'll tell you they know. Like Politicians will tell you they're going to do something good for you. <laughs> but we all know that's a lie. <laughs> I don't care what, what politician they are. <laughs> that's, my, that's my election campaign today. <laughs> so... <laughs> okay... Uh, I mean, that makes and by the way, home. if a politician says he's going to do something good for you and you know he's not, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's part of life. Hey, you mentioned Frito-Lay truck. Did you know that Frito-Lay had just ordered an electric 18-wheeler or electric truck? Oh, yes, yes. Uh-huh. And so they're going to test those. But that's a good point about their load versus an 18-wheeler load. I, I just don't see. Well, I mean, there's so many variables on the 18 wheelers. I don't see how you can project what the mileage is going to be. I mean, it, but they need to say, okay, worst if they go a worst scenario and use that. In other words, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. If they'll report on the worst sen- scenario instead of the best scenario, then you will have as a consumer purchasing these vehicles. Okay, so you know the manufacturer claims they're going to go 600 miles. Uh, okay, if I'm towing 80,000 pounds on this thing, maybe it's only going to go 350 miles. Okay, so it could go between 300 miles and 600 miles, depending on the load you're carrying, and then that'll give the consumer something to figure into his math equation when he gets ready to buy this thing. And the hybrid trucks, there's hybrid trucks already overseas in 18-wheelers. There's hybrid trucks everywhere. Uh, now they're using uh, hydrogen to make these things go. They've got conversions that they're using. And so there's a lot of stuff being worked on. But when you take natural gas and you run a vehicle, there is nothing coming out of the exhaust pipe on a natural gas truck either, to my knowledge. 
And so there is all sorts of options that are out there that the other countries are starting to use instead of the electric vehicle because of the uncertainty of how they're going to go. Because we need trucks on the road now. People are buying them all all time. We need trucks on the road now. And so they they are saying, okay, these things cost a fortune. So when you're buying, you need to buy smart. Now, if I can buy one, I want an electric truck. It'll go 600 miles across. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to use the, the switch off and, you know, the other truck can pick it up and take it on, but I need to go that 600 miles. If you don't feel comfortable making that 600 miles, uh, you're going to be really thinking hard before you dump the money that these electric vehicles cost. A GMC truck, 2023 cost $105,000 to buy that truck. Oh, give me two. That's a lot of money for a pickup. That's a so, lot of money and that, that's just a number I seen on the, on the deal the other day. But I, I just look and say hybrids right now, you got hybrids that, that are electric over the one that I was hoping to have is hybrid diesel, a little three popper diesel and three-cylinder diesel with a, a electric. I think but that would give you the everything. It'd give you the extra torque on the motor when the electric's not working. It'll give you everything. But, you know, I, I think they make them, but they're overseas. And uh, But anyway, just do your homework on your electric and don't believe everything that the manufacturer tells you and everything because they're in the business to sell these vehicles. Do your own research on these, and then you'll make an informed decision. All right, I understand that we're running out of time. Boy, this, this second hour went really quick. So We zoomed right through it. Yeah. Um, but we, again, don't forget that we got to swap meet at Tucson Speedway today. Start. It's already started. It started at 6 o'clock. Uh, and by the way, Wick's air filter, I think, makes a HEPA filter for the interior of your car. For the people that are heavy on allergies, that have allergy, really allergy problem. I think that Wick, W-I-X, makes one. You'd have to check with Merle's and find out what if they do. Maybe I'm dreaming, but I had the Wix guy on the radio program one time, and he mentioned it. So, All right. Well, it looks like we're out of time. Uh, Jim, you got any parting words? Everybody be safe out there this morning. It's a pleasure having being on with you, Jerry. Have a great Saturday. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Jim. All right, until next Saturday, God, no, we're not here next Saturday. It's a great uh, Tuesday, Tucson. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.